The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast, eight times a week. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is the Week 11 Sunday Night Recap. You're probably listening on Monday morning. Excited to break it all down with the Super Friends. Uh, before we do that, just a reminder, if you like the show, if, you, if you've been hanging around listening for a while, throw us a little uh, review on the old Apple Podcast app, the purple app. You just scroll down on the podcast, hit the five star, and you can type in a review. And if you leave a great question, we'll probably get to it on the air. Uh, on our Monday Night Football Recap, we always answer a couple, do the same thing on the Brady Quinn Football Show. The latest reviews have been hilarious, so we really appreciate them. It means a lot to us. Now, let's get to some football. Joining me as I do every Sunday night, Ryan Wilson, John Breach, Sean Wagner, McGuff. How you doing, fellas? Hi, Will. What's up? So I have a question that I have. I just want to make clear. Is this the Sunday night recap show, or is this the Mitchell Trubisky just got benched emergency podcast? Ooh, good question. We should have done a, like an emergency like two-minute podcast in the fourth quarter of the Bears game where we just laughed at Sean for like two and a half <laughs> But we'll do that in this podcast anyway. So, By the way, Ryan, I just want to point out, the 400th time in the last six months, your nonverbal cues that you do on the on our Skype that we when we do in this recording don't show up on the audio. Like when you give a thumbs up and everybody's waiting for you to say hi, it doesn't show up. No one hears it. No one sees it. I'll be honest. I don't like when you introduce us and they say how are you doing, guys, because then we have the inevitable awkward pause, and then John says something stupid like hi, Will. So at this point, we all know each other. Let's just get to it. I'm with you. And also sometimes that leads to like all three of us saying something all at once. And like it's not very organized, you know? Like you could start better. You could script the beginning better, like Andy Reid. That's, that's the thing. Here's You're Matt Nagy in the beginning. You should be Andy Reid in the beginning. Here's an idea. By the way, Ryan Wilson, if you've never seen him, looks a little bit like Matt Nagy. We want Handsome, a super advisor. Yeah. And his life is falling apart like Matt Nagy's season. <laughs> uh, uh, John, yeah. you are my Mr. Bisky. We, oh, too far. We will get to the Bears in a minute. Before we do that, though, because that would be it would be disrespectful to the game of football and the MVP leader right now to start with the Chicago Bears and their trash team and trash season and trash quarterback and trash backup quarterback, trash fans and trash coach. No, no, no. We're going to start with the Ravens first because the Ravens were the story from the 1 o'clock games of Week 11. Lamar Jackson was unbelievable again. They won 41 to 7, easily covered the four and a half. The under hit, destroying the, one of my best bets and the Pick Six podcast parlay for the 11th consecutive week. Quite a run that we're on. We can't hit one parlay. Um, yeah, it should have gone over. It, it, you know, there's a, we'll get to the two missed field goals, two, two missed field goals and a non PI call. Did you have this in your best bets too? Yeah, I had the over. I shouldn't have done that. Uh, over two on parlays this week. Uh, the Pick Six podcast was, in fact, in the second parlay, the money, the money line underdog parlay. Both teams lost by like fifty points combined. So we got that going for us. Um, Ryan, is it time 
to name Lamar Jackson the in-progress MVP. I've been on the Lamar Jackson train for weeks. I go I'm on um... – Saying on a, a consensus basis. Does everybody need oh. to say, shut up, Lamar Jackson's the MVP? If it Just is. for the record, uh, we do our weekly MVP poll. Uh, the three of Breach, Brinson, and I, um, and Dubin, all put Russell Wilson ahead of Lamar. Ryan was the only one who had Lamar in, on, on Wednesday Ooh. in first place. So take it away, Ryan. For the record, part two, um, I told a radio station that I had Lamar first. And then, like, the thing came out. I was like, yeah. I also told the radio station that, like, when you send out the email, I don't care. And I just slap something down and try to get it done as quick as possible. Well, that's just how you do your job in general. So, that's right. Awesome. <laughs> anyway, Ryan, your thoughts on Lamar Jackson before Sean rudely interrupted you? I was going to say um, our guys, uh, Bob Haney and, and Vinny Serrato, who uh, do radio in, in Baltimore. I go on there once a week. And they now introduce me as Lamar Jackson's biggest fan. They know clear, good and well that I'm a Steelers homer. So they take great joy in doing that. But I own it. I, I absolutely love Lamar Jackson. I think if they, if the, um, Patriots had lost, uh, Sunday night to the Eagles, I believe the Ravens would have now been the number one seed in the AFC. And that would have been huge. But honestly, I don't think it matters at the end of the day. Lamar Jackson is playing with so much confidence. Um, I think most of us thought that Deshaun Watson and the Texans would at least have a chance when they went there. They had absolutely no chance from the first kickoff. And um, probably the the most upsetting thing we saw from the Ravens was that uh, John's boy, Justin uh, Tucker, honked a field goal from 43 yards. I don't think he's missed one from 43 in a very, very long time. Other than that, the defense is coming along. Matt Judon was harassing Deshaun Watson all day. And this is something that Pro Football Focus talks about a lot, and it gets people riled up. But they make the case based on um, their stats and data that defensive backs are more important than edge rushers. Yep. And I think we saw that in Baltimore. And I think, Sean, you tweeted this out. Marcus Peters might be the best uh, trade deadline acquisition that we've seen this season, and it may not even be close. And it, he's doing much more for Baltimore than Jalen Ramsey and those two first-round picks are doing for the Rams. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all in on Lamar. I don't think that's changing anytime soon. He's uh, balls, as the kids say. Yeah, I don't want to undersell what Lamar did, but we kind of we knew Lamar could do this. And I think we all expected Lamar to actually do this. I think the surprising thing was Houston's complete offensive ineptitude. And I think that's the bigger takeaway. Ryan just kind of briefly mm-hmm. talked, talked about it. I think it's this Ravens defense. I think this Ravens team before you could say maybe they have the most unique and explosive offense um, outside of maybe the Chiefs when Mahomes is healthy. But now I think you can say they might be the most complete team in football because the Patriots have a great defense. Their offense isn't very good. Uh, very similar with the 49ers, obviously. I don't know, obviously, if the Packers or defense hasn't looked quite the same. Rodgers hasn't looked great all year. You look at what this defense has done since September 29th. They gave up 40 points to the Browns. Like, that feels like a lifetime ago. Since that, in six games, they're allowing 16 points per game, um, which is incredible. And you look at the teams they played, one of them is the Patriots. The Seahawks were in that span as well. Um, and then, obviously, shutting down Deshaun Watson, who I think entered the day, I would say, third in the MVP race right behind Russ and, and Lamar. And I really do think that Marcus Peters' deal uh, does change the complexion of his defense because he went from – 
Los Angeles, which is not a great defense, and he was kind of expected to be the guy there with Tlaib hurt. Um, and now he's joined a really good secondary where he doesn't have to just be that guy. And according to Pro Football Focus, um, he's only allowed 15 completed passes on 28 attempts um, into his coverage. That's only 53%. He's allowing 0.78 yards per coverage sack, zero touchdowns, and two interceptions, both of which uh, were returned for touchdowns. And that to me, it's just that's the trade that we're going to look back on maybe in February as what changed the the course of the NFL season. Uh, by the way, you didn't mention that since they got they gave up forty to the Browns, they played Mason Rudolph, Andy Dalton, Russell Wilson, um, Tom Brady, and uh, Ryan Ryan Finley and Deshaun Watson. So really, only like two good quarterbacks in the entire list since Tom Brady's washed up. Um, the uh, <laughs> it's a Tom Brady joke. Nobody got that. Uh, I really quick uh, story. But you laughed at it. I, I laughed at it. Uh, I'll tell you guys this really quick story. So um, I have to do – I mean I enjoy doing each week the halftime show on CBS Sports HQ or 24-7 Streaming Sports Network. You watch Roku, wherever, um, uh, with uh, Pete Prisco and Jamie Eisenberg at the 1 o'clock games. And we were doing the, the Texans-Ravens uh, halftime thing. I said, look, I think there's a pretty good argument to be made that the Ravens are the most complete and best team in football right now. And Pete it cuts back to Pete and he goes – he makes his face. He goes, nah, I'm not ready to go there quite yet. Jamie Who's this top team? Jamie looks at him and he goes, um, hey, Pete, who is the number one team in your power rankings this week? And he goes, the Ravens. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't say that. He's like, Bridget picked the Vikings to go to the Super Bowl and like freaked out. I was like, what are you talking about? All I did was say the Ravens are probably the top team in football right now. And you agree, you senile old man. Um, I don't, I won't talk to him until next Thursday. So this Thursday. So I figured I'd rip him to you guys now. I thought that, thought that was get another laugh. Okay, we got a uh, this thing on. Uh, uh, breach. If uh, if the Ravens and Patriots played in the AFC Championship game in New England today, tomorrow, who would you pick? I would pick the Ravens all the way, hands down. I don't think that Bill Belichick or anyone on that sideline can figure out how to stop Lamar Jackson. I've never looked, I've never seen Belichick look so befuddled as he did when they lost that game a couple weeks ago. He he just had no idea what to do. You never see that out of him. And unless they do something again, we talked about a couple weeks ago, but like the chargers did in that playoff game last season, nobody has implemented that strategy yet. Nobody's tried it yet because as Brent was saying, it's probably because most teams don't have eight athletic enough, defensive backs to put in there where you can still tackle the running backs because if you put a bunch of dbs out there you lose a lot of size even though you gain speed and that right now that literally is the only way to slow down lamar we saw the chargers doing the playoffs no one else has tried it so it will be interesting to see if some team does do it i I think that teams don't care about regular season games enough to uh maybe experiment but when you get into a do or die situation i think it's, it's i'll do whatever it takes to win this game and that's what we saw the chargers do uh, so I'll, it will be interesting to see if any team does that. But right now, Lamar Jackson is unstoppable. He's the MVP. Uh, I, unless the Ravens fall flat on their face, which I don't seem – it doesn't seem possible because the offense they run. You know, when you run the ball all the time, that's not something to go hot and cold. If Lamar has a bad game throwing it, they're still going to run for 250 yards. So it's like there's no way for this offense to kind of fall over itself. Uh, I'll be shocked if they don't finish as at least the two seed. And I wouldn't be surprised if they end up with the one seed. Uh, you know who really likes Lamar Jackson? Mark Ingram. 
P front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. Yeah. I'm right here in Beemore outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. Whoopi. I'm about that. Whoopi. Big trust. Whoopi. Woo woo. Lamar Jackson Big in the flesh. Big yes, sir. Big trust. <laughs> no, I'm with you. I'm with you. New Era 8 Apparel. <laughs> that, was, that was Mark Ingram introducing Lamar Jackson. And Brenton, you should play that this week when you talk to BMAC, because BMAC went all in on Russell Wilson and his curly hairdo uh, last week on HQ. So I don't know if he's changed his mind since this, but I know he was all about Russ. And by the way, uh, Deshaun Watson and uh, Lamar Jackson played in college against each other. Louisville and Clemson, incredible game. Uh, put up a ton of points. Um, Deshaun won. And he pointed out after the game, too, that he believed that Lamar Jackson is also the MVP. He agrees with us. By the way, can I point out that um, we uh, always love keep keep going, keep grinding, uh, wrote MVP on it. And, uh, you know, he's like a he's like a brother to me. You know, I'm proud of him. Um, that's what I told him. And keep going, stay healthy, you know, keep, you know, leading this team. If you couldn't hear that because Ryan Wilson was talking over our sound bite, uh, what Deshaun Watson, don't worry, guys, what Deshaun Watson was saying was that he wrote, MVP. They swap jerseys afterwards. That's the thing in the NFL nowadays. He gave he he gave, I guess he gave his jersey to Lamar Jackson and then wrote MVP on his jersey to Lamar Jackson, which is a little weird because then you're like MV, I'm the MVP. You know what I'm saying? So maybe it's a subtle message. Um, do you think that Deshaun Watson's hopes of winning MVP are in the uh, the old outhouse, Ryan? By the way, that was my impression of Deshaun Watson that you heard. That wasn't a soundbite. So I think kudos to me for actually pulling it up. Hey, wait, one more before, uh, before, we, before we get to whatever you were going to say. Uh, Mark Ingram did an on-field interview after the game, and it was freaking hilarious. He started yelling about blackjack. He was telling Mike Garofalo of NFL Network, he's like telling him how to play blackjack, like when to sit, when to uh, stand, and when to hit. Blackjack 21 out there bowling. Hey, hey you know you what they say? Think? You think that? Hey, double down on the 10. Double down. Pull the ace. Ace. Blackjack 21. You are. With <laughs> <me>. <laughs> you guys are dead tonight. Sounds bro. like he's got that game all figured out. Yep, split aces and eights. We all know that. You guys are terrible tonight. You trash. What I, I was going to say is that we like to crush Deshaun uh, or that offensive line for the Texans for giving him a ton of sacks. Deshaun Watson caused probably four of the six sacks that he took. On Sunday, sacks. What's that? Seven sacks. Seven sacks. Sorry. So well, um, actually, but only six of them were on Deshaun Watson. But he's got to do a better job of that. The offensive line wasn't great, but again, the, the Ravens' pass rush isn't isn't destroying people week week to week. Um, and I understand he's trying to make plays, but he's going to get himself killed. And we talk about that all the time. But for as elusive and as Lamar Jackson is in the sport, as much as he runs, knock on wood, he doesn't take nearly the hits. That Sean Watson takes just on the sacks. Uh, and one last thing on Desha- or, or excuse me on Lamar, and this is a really fun fact. This is a seventh straight game with at least sixty rushing yards. That is the best all time in NFL history. Mm. Yeah, he he's look he's changed his game not just in terms of passing, but in terms of how he runs from what it was last year. He avoids contact way more than he did last year, way more than he did in college, I think, although maybe he was just faster than everybody in college and just never got touched. He's um, faster than everyone now. Sure. I would point out that two uh, two plays really stood out to me. Um, they were the touchdown, the first two touchdown passes, and they were after penalties or after like a, something got him set back or they were like second and 13 or second and 15. And Lamar fired just Casual calm, calm darts into the end zone. They were so it was just it was perfect touch, perfect ball placement, uh, easy to catch. It w- couldn't be an interception. 
I, I'm just floored by his development as a passer, and it, it speaks. Look, credit to Greg Roman and, and John Harbaugh. I was going to say, if I was a bad football team right now that was going to fire its coach and was looking for a new coach, I would hire Greg Roman. And Sean, are you talking about the Bears secretly? <laughs> I, I would not be opposed to this. Um, I would hire Greg Roman, and I think you probably still draft a quarterback. But you know what you also do? You you sign Colin Kaepernick for cheap because the San Francisco 49ers offense under Roman and Kaepernick was not this good, but they were still pretty damn good. And Kaepernick's uh, you know decline where he wasn't as good in the final years to not come under Roman. And Roman also coached a pretty good offense um, considering the personnel up in uh, Buffalo with Tyron Taylor. So I think Roman – is coaching his way into a head coaching job. And if you start looking around at candidates, I don't think you see a lot of obvious ones. And so I would, I would think he probably um, is going to be on the short list on a lot of teams list. Uh, by the way, really, really bad PR, uh, PR, PI call, non-call in this game. Um, it was a long pass down the field from Deshaun, Wa- uh, Deshaun Watson to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, on the play, Marlon Humphrey came flying over and grabbed Hopkins jersey multiple times, spun him around, and then threw him to the ground as the ball was coming through. Hopkins, who is one of the five best receivers in football, if not one of the three best, whatever you want to say about it, um, he was he was mauled and he didn't catch the ball. And Bill O'Brien, who had like a look about him, like I'm not gonna challenge this because I mean he's like I'm not gonna challenge PI anymore. I'm done doing it. And he's like, all right, I have to challenge this. I, it was like, fourth down. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was on a third down play, right? Or was it on it a fourth, was fourth down? It was fourth down. Uh, right, right. I mean, you had to challenge, like, and he got mauled. It was a, it was, it was, it should have been ball in the one. Um, he challenged it. It wasn't overturned. DeAndre Hopkins later tweeted, as a leader in the NFL, we need someone new in New York deciding calls. I'm sorry. You watch these things and you just imagine Al River on, like I, like I, it's like I said on Twitter, like he's sitting there with like a little like, coconut with a cut, top cut off and it's like full of rum and some sort of like spice maybe there's like some little um uh with nutmeg on top of the drink and he's a sitting, mai tai yeah maybe it's a mai What's tai like? or a miami vice and he's sitting there with like his flip-flops on and like he's watching cartoons like archer or something you know something something silly and like dumb and his phone keeps ringing and he's just like it stands it stands he just screams it stands over and over again this guy this is a joke this, this is, and by the way, they actually overturned one in, in Arizona, San Francisco, but it's a absolute joke. That was pass interference. Ipso, like, I mean, just clearly pass interference. It drives me nuts. It's, it screws up the game. The this would have been the easy, oh, uh, go ahead, Ryan. I was going to say the Arizona pass interference. The guy literally ran into a wall and fell down. Like, oh, well, maybe that wasn't actually pass interference on his fault. And this would have been the easiest catch of DeAndre Hopkins' life. He literally, uh, got ripped down. There was no way this should not have been interference. The NFL, like, there are thousands of people. Nobody on Twitter unanimously agrees on everything, but everyone, even Ravens fans, agreed that this was interference. There's no other way to do this. If Al Riveron, if the justification for overturning something needs to be like a Twitter vote, I think that would be more reliable than Al Riveron at this point. So, if you're listening, Roger Goodell, that is my proposal. Put every call to a Twitter vote. Actually, uh, Dan Fouts, I think Dan Fouts called this game. Princeton always knows who called the game, but I think and it was it was the beard and the bird. All right, Ryan perfect. And Dan Fouts. Ryan and Dan, they made this point, and it's actually a pretty good point. So, if the call had been reversed, if if John Harbaugh and, and Marlon Humphrey had been called for pass interference on any planet, is John Harbaugh throwing a flag saying, "Oh, he <laughs> clearly didn't pass interfere with 
with uh, Dre Hopkins on that? No, that's no chance. Um, all right, let's move along to our next game. Eagles, Patriots. Yeah, Patriots cover. Patriots win, obviously, 17 to 10. They take care of uh, Carson Wentz and company. Carson Wentz is actually the top fantasy performer, 13 points overall. Uh, the under hit easily. In fact, the uh, first half under, the second half under, and the full game under all hit. Um, Tom Brady was so shockingly short after the game breach. He uh, so for so for instance, like if you want to look at one guy who who talked after the game, there was Bill Belichick, and he was he was actually loquacious and funny. Tom Brady less so. Uh, Bill Belichick had the little shade for Mr. Lane Johnson buried in the middle of his comments. Big drive offensively coming off the goal line here in the fourth quarter. Um, third defense in good field position. Our defense played really well in the second half. I mean, the players, they covered well. They rushed well. They tackled well. Uh, they just they just did a good job. Um, Looks like they're having a lot of fun out there today and going to put a lot of good energy. And um, so it's good to come down here and, and get a win. Bill Belichick has never used the word had or the phrase had fun out there in his entire life as it relates to football, and he did in this occasion. Uh, David Otez will recall that. What, what was it, Sean, back in the day? What did, what did Lane Johnson say? After they won the Super Bowl, he said the Patriots are like a fear-based organization and they don't have fun. He would rather have fun than play for the Patriots, something like that. So this was clearly breach a uh, situation where it was a revenge game for Bill Belichick. Uh, he got his revenge. I don't know if you saw our buddy uh, Ben Volan tweeted out Tom Brady's comments. It sounds like Brady's kind of pissed about the way the offense looked. I mean, I, I believe it, but here, we'll go back to Belichick real quick. Lane Johnson made those comments like a week after the Super Bowl, so we're talking February 2018. Belichick has literally been playing the long game with this. He has been planning this for almost more than 18 months, more than a year and a half. He met, took a mental note. He's like, you know what? When we crap on the Eagles and we go to their place in 2019, I'm going to rub this in. Uh, so I do love that Belichick did that. But as for Brady, look, I get that he's upset, but he he looked bad. He was not. He didn't look like a good quarterback. If he didn't get the Mitchell Trubisky uh, treatment because he's won a lot more Super Bowls than Trubisky, but he did not look good in this game. You know who threw more touchdown passes than Tom Brady? Julian Edelman, because Tom Brady threw zero touchdown passes and Edelman threw one. By the way, as the first time in Tom Brady's career that somebody on the Patriots roster has thrown more touchdown passes than him in a game where he played all four quarters. And so, look, the Patriots' defense has been carrying this team all season. So I don't know if Brady's frustrated. Is it because he's frustrated with Josh McDaniel and, and the plays that are being called? Is is he frustrated because the offense just is can't get anything going right now? Is he frustrated because he doesn't feel comfortable with everybody he's throwing the ball to and he's going to beg Rob Bronkowski to come out of retirement this week. Uh, there's a lot of things he could be frustrated with, or is he just frustrated with himself? Because look, he barely completed 50% of his passes. He only threw it for 216 yards. He looked like he didn't look very pliable today. He looked like he was off his game. Uh, so it is really hard to just pick one thing that he might've been frustrated at, but look, this Patriots offense hasn't looked good all season. Yeah. The, the thing that I realized like halfway through this game, the, the problem with the Patriots offense is twofold, but they both feed into each other. It's that they don't have a big play guy. Uh, they obviously lost Gronk. They don't have Josh Gordon anymore. And there were multiple points in that game on key third downs. Brady was taking deep shots downfield to Julian Edelman, which, look, Julian Edelman's a good player. That's not his game. He's trying, he should be working the slot, you know, eight to 10 yards downfield. And so, so they don't have a big play guy. 
So then you think, okay, Patriots offenses of old, they're going to chip away, throw to the running backs, throw underneath, go on these long sustained ball control drives. The problem is that their offensive line just isn't good enough to have these long sustained drives now because now they just have so many negative plays. Marshall Newhouse at left tackle is a gigantic problem. And the problem I keep coming back to is I feel like a lot of Patriots fans are hanging their hat on, well, if Isaiah Wynn comes back, you know, this is going to fix the problem. Isaiah Wynn has played in two career games. I don't think we can look at him and say this is a sure, surefire fix. Maybe he's better than Marshall Newhouse. He certainly has that potential. I don't know how this offense gets better. The good news is that their defense really is this good that unless they're playing Baltimore, um, I think they can shut down whoever they're playing. The Eagles scored 10 points on their first three drives. They had 10 more drives in the game. They had seven punts, uh, a fumble, turnover downs, and a game. So, I mean, this defense, um, after the first three drives, I saw people saying, oh, look what happens when the Patriots play another good offense. Like, they're not as good, and they just completely stifled the Eagles' offense. Yeah, Carson Winston looked good after the first first quarter. So, and here's the thing: you better get up by about 35 points, unless you're the Ravens. You better get up by 35 points from the Patriots, because once they go in for halftime, they're going to fix everything that's broken, at least on one side of the ball, and they shut down completely the Eagles' offense. Um, and that there was nothing. There were, they had no answers. Uh, Carson Wentz could have had a, a, a few more interceptions. Um, the running game went away. We know about the injuries to both tackles. Uh, so it was sort of a snowballed after that. Um, first few successful series and, and that was a wrap. Yeah, uh, the stats for pre-lane and post-lane are pretty, Lane Johnson are pretty shocking. Um, their first three drives, the, the Eagles had 10 points with 147 yards, were averaging 6.4 yards per play. The rest of the game after Lane Johnson left, zero points, 108 yards, and 2.5 yards per play. And as I think noted, uh, Jason Peters left in the fourth quarter as well. Um, so, if you're Philly, man, I mean, here's the, you know, there's a little silver lining here is that look, you lost to the Patriots. They're coming off their bye. Belichick's now 10 to 2, uh, straight up and against the spread at, after his bye on the road in his career with the Patriots. Um, you gotta play the Seahawks, but I think they had to play the Dolphins. They have, then they're at the Dolphins after that. So you the Seahawks at home and at the Dolphins. If you can somehow manage to win those two games, the Cowboys are going to New England next week. So maybe the Patriots take care of business against the, 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 um, the Cowboys. And then all of a sudden, if you're, you know, if you're Philly, you find yourself still in the mix. But gosh, without those tackles and that offensive line, it feels like this team really lacks the identity that it had before. You know, like this team pounded the ball, uh, physically when they were winning games over the last couple of years. I mean, granted, you know, it's a high flying offense. They could do tons of stuff. They have no receivers now either. Yeah. It's like Ertz and Goddard, and they're great. Nelson Aguilar is not reliable enough. I mean, Carson Wentz's potential game-tying throw was an absolute dime out of a spot he shouldn't have been throwing it, and it hit Aguilar in both hands in the chest and bounced well, was, right. No, no, it didn't hit him in the chest. That was a tough catch. Well, it would have been a crazy catch, but, like, you have to make that catch. Yeah, no, Alshon makes that catch if he's there. Sure. Okay. So you, <laughs> you made a, a great catch. Throw. It was a great play. We needed it. That's Tom Brady's line about Joey Nettleman's uh, catch. On how much he and, drew- and he was all <laughs> yeah. He was also asked about his passer rating. Do you ever remind Julian about how good his passer rating is? Tom Brady, not much. It was a good throw. So thank you guys. Yeah. And then he and then he walked out. He was asking if he's discouraged. Well, we just played for three hours. So I think everyone is a little tired. A mayor to a supermodel <laughs> worth two hundred million dollars. I am not discouraged. Like, he didn't say yes or no. This is literally the most Debbie Downer I've ever seen Tom Brady uh, sound 
after a game where they won because he is usually somebody who is pretty chipper at all times. Uh, smile on his face, w- w- talks, gives you three or four sentences per question. But he, looking at this, I mean, this is kind of crazy. This is, so he's definitely a little upset about something, and it'll be interesting to find out what that is. Breach, he's the second best quarterback on that team. Julian Edelman's four for four <laughs> for 90 yards, one touchdown, no interception, and you mentioned the perfect passer in his NFL career as a quarterback. I would guess it involves the six quarterback hits that he took. Uh, by the way, Carson Wentz, whoo, he got peppered, buddy. Dante Hightower, three quarterback hits, a sack. Uh, let's see, one, five, seven, ten, twelve hits, according to NFL. Uh, Jesus. It's a lot. Five sacks. He had a little Deshaun Watson going on, too. He was holding on to the ball too long. I understand he's trying to make plays, but that's going to get you, you know, messed up. He's always done that. Yeah. He's having a weird year. Not a great Well, year. what's weird is that he entered the game averaging 6.8 yards per attempt, which would be as low as since his rookie year. And then you had in tonight's game, 5.4. This offense just really isn't hitting downfield throws but i was looking at it i think a week ago he's actually averaging a lot of air yards per attempt so it's not that they're just checking it down it's just that they're not hitting on the big plays when he takes them let me ask you guys this if somebody went up if you went up to doug peterson tomorrow morning and said you can either have carson wentz or nick Foles for the rest of the season who do you think he'd pick we should, we should say, even better. Debo's reaction in my ear and in Slack was not. Appropriate. I was going to say we should get Debo's reaction because he. Debo, Debo who would you rather have rest of the year? Carson Wentz. There you go, John. Just dumb questions. What Debo saying? Say the wrong. Thing, right. I believe that. I believe it fully. There <laughs> <laughs> we go. Don't don't send him to the podium after an Eagles loss. That, that sounds least, like Tom Brady. Least, that's the least convincing answer I've heard. Uh. It's like the I was trying to find the um, the Costanza line where it's like it's not a lie if you believe it, um, but we'll just move on instead. Actually, you know what? I can play real quick. Cool. Jerry, just remember, it's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> I remember when laugh tracks were a thing. All right, speaking of laugh tracks, the Bears are America's laugh track, and boy, are they a clown show. A clown car operated by a man in clown shoes with a clown quarterback riding alongside him, a clown GM pulling the op, pulling the triggers and sh- shifting the gears. Uh, a clown GM, by the way, who got clowned by John Gruden in the Khalil Mack trade. He somehow lost the Khalil Mack trade. He should have been defensive player of the year last year. He's being washed out every single game. He's a non-factor. He hadn't done anything. Trubisky just got benched in the fourth quarter for Chase Daniel. Welcome to hell, Sean. I just want to say to all the listeners out there, find yourself a friend who takes as much joy in his other friend's misery more than Will Brinson. Because it truly is special. He's the only friend that fulfills that need in my life. This is what I'll say, Brinson. You're trying to troll me. I am untrollable about this because I lost hope weeks ago and once i lose hope in a situation i get like jay cutler i just stop caring and that's how i felt throughout this entire game the sad thing is and mitch trubisky was terrible but by his standards this is one of his best performances of the season again that's not saying much um but he could actually complete a couple forward passes in this game um i mean what what more is there to say about this team their defense is actually yes prince and they regressed they're actually still pretty good i think they did everything tonight or sorry, Sunday night that they could have um, to win this game. Had two turnovers. 
held the Rams to 10 points late in the fourth quarter. It's all, look, Matt Nagy's play calls get too cute on third and shorts. Uh, he's the, not op- a good- the option on third and two near midfield when the Bears were marching to go win the game was unbelievably bad. And I don't want to defend him, but I just, I think it's really hard to call plays and design an offense when you have a quarterback who can't hit throws that quarterbacks in the NFL are supposed to hit nine out of ten times. And uh, so this entire season is lost, and the entire future of the Bears is lost until they find a competent quarterback. And the only silver lining I can take from this is that Trubisky is playing so bad that the Bears can't even get tricked into handing him a long-term deal that Ryan Pace was probably going to get tricked into doing if Trubisky played it like what he did last year. He's so bad that they have to move on. Uh, so – they did move on during the game. They actually benched him. This is it gets a little dicey, and we're sort of learning this on the fly. But uh, he benched him. All of a sudden, with no warning whatsoever, Chase Daniels under center in the final Bears series of the fourth quarter. Al Michaels is per- completely perplexed. He's like, well, this is something. Um, they asked the Bears PR staff what had happened. Bears PR staff said they had no information. And then later the Bears PR staff tweets out, that uh, Mitchell Trubisky was dealing with a hip injury, and that's why he was pulled out. However, we all saw the shots on the sideline. One of Matt Nagy doing a, a sweet, like a like a like a like a like a fatherly you effed up embrace. Um, you know, he's like, "It's okay, son. It's not your fault." Um, followed by Trubisky standing awkwardly on the sidelines, being like, "I'm like clearly not hurt." Um, here's Matt Nagy after the game on Mitchell Trubisky. Just wasn't feeling right. His, his hip was was hurting him. We knew it a few series earlier um, that that something wasn't right. We 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 watched him kind of just to keep an eye on him and see how it was. And I had to pull him aside and talk to him and just ask him and say exactly that I needed we needed him to be honest with us and and uh, you know trying to play through that is what he was doing. And at the same time, it was affecting a little bit of how he was able to throw. And I just don't like I don't like I don't want to put him at more risk and and I also don't want to affect how how the play is for the team. Ryan it just wasn't. Do you believe him? Yeah, I have a question for Matt Nagy. Uh, would you have had that heart to heart heart to heart talk with Mr. Bisky if he had four touchdowns and no interceptions with two minutes to go in the game? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> Are you guys role playing now? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, it's clear. Clear and obvious, something that Al Riveron is not familiar with. It's clear and obvious that, that Matt Nagy did not want to put that, that jabroni back out there. I don't know why he – it's weird that he didn't just do it, even if it's just to hand the ball off. I know Trubisky told the media afterwards that his hip was getting tighter t- and tighter and he was throwing with all arm. I don't know if that's any different than anything we've seen from Mr. Trubisky in two and a half years. Put him back out there. You don't have to answer all these questions. And then you can make up some story this week that his hip's bothering him and then roll out Chase Daniel so he can slide – uh, before the sideline, just before the two-minute warning, for no reason that that anyone could understand. But also, like he said, that the hip injury happened a few offensive possessions earlier. So you let him play injured, and then decided to pull him at the exact instant when your entire game was on the line, uh, with just a few minutes left, and it was really your last possession where you had to score to keep yourselves in the game. And I know Sean was kind of defending Matt Nagy before. Uh, saying, hey, it's impossible to put a game plan together when your quarterback can only complete one out of ten passes that a normal NFL quarterback can throw. But let's not absolve Matt Nagy here because, look, if your quarterback can't throw the ball, why are you throwing the ball on third and one uh, in the fourth quarter when your team is trailing 10-7? to seven? And why not just 
run the ball so that your quarterback who can't throw doesn't have to throw. Matt Nagy made a lot of perplexing decisions in this game, and I would argue that he was on my ranking of the top three worst bears in this game with Mitchell Trubisky and Eddie Pinheiro, who missed two field goals in case anyone didn't see this game. The Bears kicking situation is almost as bad as their quarterback situation. That's all I'll say because I don't want to feel any worse. The MVP for this game, if you're Jared Goff, is Mr. Trubisky because Jared Goff was 11 for 18, 173 yards, threw an interception, had a touchdown thrown that got called back for some stupid penalty. But it was clear that Sean McVay's game plan, which is sort of hysterical, was to run the ball down the Bears' throats. And they really didn't have much of an answer for it. And then Jared Goff just occasionally threw the ball and, and had limited success. He had a good final series. That was about I, it. Yeah, I thought he made a couple of good throws later there. Like I but was, he's, he's a guy that's got a huge contract. I mean, these are these are Tom Brady stat lines, which is, you know, half joking, half serious. But he's not 20 years into his career. He doesn't have six Super Bowls. Yeah, yeah. I'm, with, I, yeah I'm with you there. I mean, it's fine. It's a, it's a bigger – the way I put it during the game was the Rams have a bigger long-term quarterback problem than the, than the Bears do because they're stuck with this contract, whereas – Look, obviously the Bears don't have a pick, so they can't really solve it the way. Well, they the want Rams to solve have it. fewer draft picks. <laughs> right? Yeah, I guess that's that's true. Um, and the Bears can at least ditch this Trubisky deal um, this offseason. Um, and I mean, they can keep him on the roster too as a backup and whatnot. But the Rams have a bigger long term problem at quarterback. And I mean, this this game was billed as you know winner stays alive in the playoff race must win, which is technically true. But you're watching this game. I don't see how anyone can look at either of these teams and be like, oh, if they win this game, they're a playoff team. Like, I just what? don't see how the Rams make the playoffs. What happened to the Rams? I think their offense stayed the same um, in terms no, of their, – their offensive line well, is yeah. worse. And Jared Goff, again, is the NFC version of Andy Dalton where he needs a perfect situation around him to be successful. The Rams no longer have that because – their offensive line has been totally evaporated. It's not there anymore. It's not what they had last year. I think they were the only team in the league last year that had every offensive lineman start in all 16 games. This has been the opposite this year. So he's just getting beat up. He's not good under pressure. He gets flustered. Uh, last year when that would happen, he had Todd Gurley to dump the ball off to. Doesn't have that this year, although he kind of did against the Bears, and so we saw him play a little bit better. So he's losing. You lose your security blanket in Gurley. You lose your giant blanket in your offensive line. And and now there's just no way for him to be successful because he's not that kind of quarterback that can make things happen the, on his the, own. The biggest indictment of this all is that we we were saying this entire offseason, so many people forecasted the Rams offensive line not going to be as good with Whitworth aging uh, and injuries and losing players in free agency. Like, we all saw that coming. We all knew Todd Gurley had a knee injury um, because of the way the playoffs unfolded, and that was reported to death. And so the fact that they gave Goff a contract when we saw all these potential problems coming, Breach talked, said earlier about how, like, Twitter can't unite on anything or people can't agree on everything, but people agree on pass interference stuff. I felt like the consensus among the football writing community was don't give Jared Goff a long-term deal. This is going to backfire after you just gave Todd Gurley a big deal. And the Rams did it anyways when they did not need to. It's not like Jared Goff is going to be a free agent. They should have let him play out this year. Um, and, and at the end of this year, they would not be thinking we got to sign this guy to a deal. So that was a big mistake. They got way too um, trigger happy to give him that deal. Mm, I agree. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about my Minnesota Vikings making history on Sunday. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. 
The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Minnesota Vikings won 27-23 over the Denver Broncos. The Broncos covered the plus 10, the over 40-and-a-half hit. Uh, but Kirk Cousins was the uh, leading fantasy guy there, 28 total fantasy points, thanks in large part to a crazy comeback. The Vikings, uh, so teams were 0-99 when trailing – or when trailing by 20 points or more at halftime over the last five seasons, the Vikings were down 20 to nothing at half and stormed back and beat the Broncos 27 to three. You like that, Ryan? Well, you forgot to point out where you got dunked on by the Minnesota Vikings Twitter account Absolutely. after you tweeted out the the Owen. Uh, Oh, and 99. They were trying to give it up. Like they made the comeback and then they were like, Hey, Broncos, you want to come down and score? We don't really like this win. Go ahead. Come on down. Dirt. That's the sound of Brinson getting dunked on that, that goofy voice. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't know what credit. Here, here's the thing. Credit to Brandon Allen for not being terrible. And he did a lot of things that you could feel okay about. But my big takeaway from Brandon Allen's performance is how bad was Joe Flacco? And why did I let you talk me into all this Joe Flacco nonsense? I can't believe you talked me into taking the, the Broncos to win the division. I didn't talk <laughs> you that. But you know what's going to be funny is when the Raiders win the division. Stop it, Brenton. Don't be ridiculous. Um, Vikings not, that's not going to age well. The Vikings are the first team in the last 40 years to score a touchdown on every second half possession and win after trailing by 20 points at half. Uh, before today, that before Sunday, the Broncos had not blown a 20 point or more halftime lead in regulation. They have now done it twice in, uh, overtime in franchise history, though. 2013 and 1988. Cousins has gone 177 pass attempts without an interception. Uh, Breach, you take too much away from this. By the way, Dalvin Cook, my Dalvin Cook to lead the league in rushing, uh, bet. That took a big hit on, mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday. Do you take anything away from this in terms of, like, are you worried about the Vikings? You know, you picked him to go to the Super Bowl too. Like, what's your concern level here? No, my takeaway is that I actually feel even better about the Super Bowl pick because if there's one knock on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings overall, it's that they just kind of give up when they're trailing. They're not a team that plays well from behind because uh, they love to run the ball. And if you have, if you're a defense who puts pressure on Kirk Cousins, 
he does not play well flustered. We've talked about that with Jared Goff, but Cousins is in that same class of people who you start sacking him, you start pass rushing him in every play. He starts air mailing balls. He can't find his receivers. Cousins got sacked five times. So if you would have told me at halftime that the Vikings were to come back and win this game, I would not have believed you. I would have thought it was impossible. Cousins, zero wins, 10 losses, and one tie in the 11 games where the Viking, he'd been trailing in the fourth quarter with the Vikings. This is the first time he's ever won a game with the Vikings while trailing in the fourth quarter. So the fact that they came back against, you know, the Broncos are garbage this year, but the defense has still been decent. So the fact that they came back and beat this defense and scored 27 points in the second half. And a big part of that was because of Cousins. So we, Cousins has just been, there's been like eight monkeys on Cousins back and he's gotten like five of them off. He's gotten the primetime monkey off his back. He's gotten the, I can't have a fourth quarter comeback monkey off his back. He's gotten the, I can't beat a team with a winning record monkey off his back. So now we're creeping close to the, he needs to get the, I need to win a playoff game monkey off my back. So he's been doing a lot of things that I don't think anyone expected him to do. So, Brinson, I am back on the Super Bowl train, even though I never really left. And me and you are uh, the engineers of this train. But you can be in front since you have them winning and I don't. By the way, Cousins, first four games with Minnesota this year, 2-2, two and two, 183.8 pass yards, three touchdowns, two picks. Last seven games, last six games, I guess, um, five and one, 73% completion percentage, 288 passing yards, 18 touchdowns, one pick. He's been really good. He's, I mean, uh, fourth blown, fourth quarter lead for the Broncos, by the way. I was going to say, we, we like to play, we don't play it anymore, but early in the season, we like to play. This team should be three and one. Uh, I think the Broncos are now two and five. Yeah, they should be ten and nine. Are two and five in one score games. And I'm not trying to talk you onto the 2020 Broncos bandwagon, um, but those things tend to, you know, change on a year to year basis and work back in the team's favor the next year. So maybe, maybe you were just a year too early on the Broncos. Maybe I'll take the over on the Broncos win total next year at four and a half. How about that? And right. the crazy thing is, didn't the Broncos, they lose to the Bears the one time a Bears kicker actually hits a game <laughs> winner. I think, did Benetieri hit a game winner against them? So, like, the two most absurd no, things. They, they beat the. Oh, you're right. You're right. No, you're right. Sorry. You were right. Yeah. So, like, the two most absurd things that those are two kickers that should never hit a game winner, especially this this year. And and that's two of their losses. Like, it's insane that this this is a three and 17 that probably could be uh, six and four or seven and three. If things have if only three or four plays had gone a little differently. Uh, speaking of insane, the ending of 49ers Cardinals was insane. If you're a gambler. Many people got the uh, Arizona Cardinals plus nine and a half at the end of this game. The 49ers won 36 to 26. The final six points were on a wild, um, I think, what's the line that, um, what's the phrase that Scott Van Pelt uses where it's like the uh, pitchy, pitchy, woo, woo. You know, they do like, they just start chunking the ball around and, and, and it flies it's everywhere. The, it's the cow, the band is on the play. Band is on the field. Yeah, but like, so the ball's on the ground and this Arizona Cardinals player, like, it's like, it's been laying there for like five seconds and he just grabs it and like, what are you cackling about, Sean? Oh, it was just hilarious that he just threw the ball like blindly backwards. It goes just straight up in the air and goes backwards like 10 yards to the goal line and the 49ers player scoops it up and runs in and, uh, the 49ers win by 10. Uh, they should have lost this game. Horrific job by Vance Joseph at the end using, uh, using, um, Chandler Jones in coverage. Jeff Wilson got wide open and scored. Jimmy Garoppolo had a great game, 34-45, 424 yards, uh, passing yards, four touchdowns, two picks. Tevin Coleman 
led the way with 12 carries for 14 yards. Yikes. And uh, Debo Samuel, eight carries, 134 yards. Kyler Murray, I thought, was awesome again. Um, he's just going to be really good as long as they keep him in the system and Cliff Kingsbury becomes a better coach. I think there's reason to be optimistic about the uh, about this team. Larry Fitzgerald, five catches, 37 yards, a touchdown. Farrow Cooper caught a score. Christian Kirk, six catches, 41 yards. Should have had an even better day. And Kenan Drake had a, an okay but not great day. 49ers D looked, 49ers looked hungover to me. Anybody else agree with that? Yes. I know what a hangover looks like, and yes. So you know what a hangover on Sunday looks like? I'm, I've, like, invented it. I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at three hangovers, right? Is that what you're saying? No, I think you're right, though. And uh, as you pointed out, credit to Kyler Murray for making the, that hangover even more painful. Um, he's going to be awesome. I think him and Lamar Jackson, Sean Watson, you know, the usual suspects. But um, – on the one hand, Steve Kahn looks like a genius. On the other hand, why'd you take Josh Rosen two years ago? Yeah. I, look, I, I, I was thinking this during the game, though. Credit them for, like, moving on. Like, I mean, you like, I didn't like the process. <laughs> the Bears. No, yeah. I, mean, I didn't like the process with how they got to Kyler Murray, and I thought it was silly, and I, I would have yeah. had Nick Bosa and Josh Rosen and the various other picks to go with it. But, like, Kyler Murray's a legit potential superstar. And you got him with the first pick in the draft. I mean, you pulled the trigger. Good job. Well, do the Cardinals win that game Sunday with Josh Rosen and Nick Bosa? Because Nick Bosa can't be on the 49ers then? Ooh. No. No, I don't think so. Because Nick Bosa's good. Ky- so, so Ky- Kyler and the Cardinals, they've played what? They played the 49ers twice in the last three weeks. Yeah. Kyler's the only quarterback to post a passer rating over 100 against uh, the 49ers, as Doug Farrar pointed out. He's done it twice in both of those games. Yeah. Uh, we keep on saying – I did this during the game. I was guilty of it too, and RJ, our editor, kind of called me out. I was saying by next year, Kyler's going to be the second-best quarterback in the division. You guys are saying he's going to be a star. I almost feel like he's already a star. Like I already think he's already the second-best quarterback in the division. I and mean, I mean – Kyle Shanahan would flip Jimmy G for Kyler in a heartbeat. Well, I was going to say. McVay would flip Goff for Kyler in a heartbeat. It's funny because a year ago we were doing like if you could draft anyone in the NFL, you're starting a franchise. It was like Mahomes, Baker, and Deshaun, those three. Suddenly, if you're doing that game again, it's like Mahomes and Lamar. And then I think you can make an argument that Kyler is anywhere after that. And obviously Deshaun would factor in still. But it's just incredible. How fast he's proved. I did not expect this this quickly. I thought he was going to be again, a good Sean, you're taking a crap on Dak Prescott. But also, and I'm not saying I once disagree. Ag- once again, I've been championing Dak Prescott this entire year. I hate you, Ryan. I hate but but this, is a, this is a weird game to say, to flex that Kyler Murray is the second best quarterback in the NFC West. Because uh, why do the 49ers win this? Because Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't perfect, but he played out of his mind. And he, everyone plays good against the Cardinals. Jimmy G against the Cardinals this year, 76% completion, 375 pass, 370 passing yards a game, nine yards per attempt, eight touchdowns, two picks. Uh, Jimmy G versus not the Cardinals, 66% completion, 217 yards a game, 7.4 yards per attempt, 10 touchdowns, eight picks. He's been terrible against everybody else, and he lights up the Cardinals, but everybody lights up the Cardinals. Everybody lights up the Cardinals. He's off breach. He's trying to make a case for Jimmy G. I don't want to make a case for Jimmy G because everyone lights up the Cardinals. <laughs> wow. right, I've come around. I'm I'm going to take the the 49ers uh, next week against the Packers on Sunday night. I've changed my mind. Okay. I don't know if I said that on our YouTube show or not. We do a YouTube exclusive. You can check it out youtubecom Sports. We do uh, a week when the the, the at halftime of the, the Sunday night game. We record like a 
15 to 20 minute, 15 minute YouTube where you break down lines that are, uh, that are coming out for the coming week. Um, by the way, I am 22 and four on the YouTube show. Really? You actually went back and counted? Don't it's, worry about it. It's pre Also, that doesn't add, we do five a week, I think. So. There you go. I was going to see. <laughs> Adds up. That's good. By the way, it's worth mentioning real quick. David Johnson had zero touches, and he wasn't on the injury report late in the week. And so, if you own David Johnson in fantasy, I have no idea what you're doing. I stuck him on my bench this week for Hollywood Brown instead, and uh, it's really concerning. Did you see that run he had last week? The not good run. Yeah, where yeah. he's like he looks like me running in an NFL game, like he's running a quicksand. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. What do you think David Johnson would do if you walked up to him and said? Uh, David Johnson, my name's Will Brinson. When you run, it reminds me of me running. And Brinson remembers the 20 year old, um, pug or whatever that was. 15. Uh, uh, and, and just to finish my Jimmy Garoppolo point, I would just like to throw out there <laughs> that, uh, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson have all played against the Cardinals <laughs> this year and all had much worse games than Jimmy Garoppolo. As a matter of fact, Lamar Jackson barely threw for half as many yards as Garoppolo did today, and half as many touchdowns. Russell Wilson also much worse, uh, and Breeze, you decent didn't, game. Stat. John Breeze. You didn't put that. All right, Jimmy. Lamar Jackson, 258 yards, two touchdowns. Russell Wilson, 240 yards, four touchdowns. Uh, Jimmy G, 424 yards, four touchdowns, single-handedly won the game. Yeah, let me, let me, let me, just real quickly, John, uh, the, the, the Saints beat the Cardinals 31-9. Breeze completed 80% of his passes, threw for... Is that a, yeah, 373 yards, three touchdowns. What are you, what are you talking about? Uh, you named, I, I'm naming, I am naming people who I had a worse game than Garoppolo. That's all. Every single person that's played against the, the Cardinals has lit them up. They're terrible on defense. And by the way, if you're ever, if you're streaming tight ends in fantasy, stream it whoever is playing against the Cardinals. They entered the game leading the league in touchdowns against um, the tight ends. They allowed two more. So just stream whoever's playing against the Cardinals. The the Seahawks beat the Cardinals twenty seven to ten. It wasn't it was irrelevant what Russell Wilson's stats were. The I mean, Lamar Jackson had sixteen rushing yards, I mean sixteen rushing carries and one hundred twenty yards to go along with two hundred seventy two passing yards, two touchdowns and sixty five percent. Which is under four hundred total yards. Jimmy threw for four hundred twenty four. All I'm saying is that he had the best game against a bad defense. That's it. I mean, it's not that hard to argue. He threw two picks. Yes, the, the picks were bad too. They were bad picks. And he lit up a bad defense. What are you talking about? I think it's no. I think the headline of this podcast is John Breach colon Jimmy Garoppolo Kyle better Allen than Russell Wilson, Breeze, and Lamar Jackson. Kyle Allen had four touchdowns against the Cardinals. Man, what are you talking about? Huh. What? <laughs> I am just saying from the Andy Dalton truth. Yeah, it's not that. It's not that well, surprising. There was no point. I wasn't arguing that Garoppolo was better than any of those guys. I was just saying that he's not horrible. What did Andy Dalton do against the Cardinals? Probably lit him up. They did light him up. If he lit him up, I'm going to light you up. <laughs> oh, he completed 71% of his passes for 262 yards and two touchdowns. There you go. And that was after he had 27 passing yards and hit the half, too. God, get out of here, Breach. <laughs> dunked on seven Here's times. the thing. When you dunk on Breach and he goes quiet for five minutes, he's Furiously doing research 
So he can reverse dunk on himself when he comes back. Okay. He was like, "No, nah, I have nothing to say." And then, no, I just I said that Garoppolo had the best game against this Cardinals defense, and I ended up being right. I had to look up the stats to make sure I was correct, and I was correct. That's it. There's no dunking on Garoppolo, I, my stat. My point was correct. That's all. Garoppolo joined Steve Young and Joe Montana as the only 49ers quarterbacks to have 400 passing yards and four passing touchdowns in a single game. Uh, Debo Samuel with his 134 yards had the most receiving yards by a 49ers rookie since Jerry Rice in 1985. Ross Dwelly caught a couple of touchdowns. Woo! And um, the Cardinals led 16-0. Uh, we're outscored 36-10 to the rest of the way. They have now dropped four straight after winning three straight games. from. Oh, Bruce. wait a second. Sorry to interrupt you. The use check pass interference call. Oh, my God. Oh, my yes. goodness. No, no, no. And, no, this is the overturned one, too. The, the Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman grabbed Christian Kirk and tackled him when he was beat. And Kingsbury's like, oh my god, I'm gonna lose this. I, like, what do I do? He's threw the flag anyway, and it's like, uh, they're not gonna overturn this. And they actually overturned it and gave him a first down on the one. Uh, and then the other yeah. one that's come up, the U. That's what, that's what Al River Run says when he turns up, overturns it. The Ushek, Ushek <laughs> tackled a linebacker, and the linebacker got flagged for pass interference. I mean, it was clear as day to everyone that when the flag came out, obviously this is going to be offensive pass interference. Number 59, Joe Walker, started pointing at Juszczyk. Juszczyk pointed the other way, but that's just because he has to. I don't understand what happened from the time the flag hit the hit the field until the, the official talked to the referee, how the words came out of his mouth and said this is going to be on number 59 of, of the defense for getting getting tackled and dragged down in the wrong position. He's running with Juszczyk, and he, like, turns his head and looks back to track the ball, and Juszczyk just takes both arms puts him over his body and just drags him to the ground and then he gets flagged. I mean, these refs are so bad. Like, according to, to Breach's rules, Juszczyk should be suspended for what he did to, to Joe Walker. The funny thing about Richard Sherman is that, so, I mean, this was pretty egregious. There, there was no one, it got overturned. So, obviously it was because Al Riveron doesn't overturn anything. And after the game, Sherman basically said, this was interference. The refs are out to get me because I'm a part of the M- NFLPA executive committee. Are you kidding his, me? his exact quote was, I think there's been probably over 100 PI challenges this year, and there's been five, I think, reversals. And I'm two of them. I think being an executive committee, committee member and part of that committee has its perks, and then it has its conversations where you're the only one who gets overturned, unquote. You could give every official a lie detector test, and I guarantee you none of them know that. Sermons <laughs> on the NFLPA executive committee. By the way, By the way uh, just so you know, Al Riveron looks worse this week than he did last week. Yeah, he's getting phone calls interrupting him. It <laughs> stands. By the way, I'm not sure where the line eventually settled, um, but if you get the Cardinals a cover in this game, um, they're now eight and three against the spread. They've just been cover machines. Uh, so something, if you are a gambler, to note. Uh, yeah, I think you probably give them a cover. Uh, Cowboys, Lions, Cowboys 35, Lions 27. The Cowboys cover the spread seven. The over 46 and a half hits as hard as Sean's breath when he's banging that microphone. Um, was that Breach? Who was that breathing? Debo actually fl- accidentally flicked his microphone on. Um Anyway, Dak Prescott, awesome again, 
29 of 46, 444 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interception. His third game with 400, 400 plus passing yards a season. This is tops in the NFL. He has thrown for three touchdowns in three straight games. He has 841 yards in the last two games. Uh, Michael Gallup came up big, nine catches, 148 yards. Randall Cobb, four catches, 115 yards. Zeke Elliott was fine in the ground game, uh, but it was mostly – the Cowboys couldn't put away a good team, in my opinion, in this game. I didn't think they couldn't put away a bad team. Like they had multiple chances to bury the Lions, and they just couldn't do it. I I agree. I mean, it was embarrassing because you look at it. You look at the Lions, and their starting quarterback is Jeff Driscoll. Their leading running back was Bo Scarborough, who what I, I think just signed last week or in the past week, past two weeks. Uh, so they're running out a bunch of backups out there and the Cowboys couldn't stop them. I mean, Jeff Driscoll threw for two touchdowns and I, I just felt like this game was a lot closer than it probably should have been. It felt like a, g- a game the Cowboys should have won by two or three touchdowns. And, and again, this is almost like last week where Dak put plays out of his mind, but the rest of the team was kind of a letdown. The fact that the Cowboys defense couldn't stop Jeff Driscoll and Bo Scarborough, I mean, what? That's that's obviously a concern going forward, right? By the way, Bo Scarborough revenge game. He was drafted by the Cowboys this year and cut. <laughs> I feel like the Cowboys are still fine in the division. We just saw the Eagles play, and I don't know what to make of them. The injuries we know about. Um, and Dak Prescott is obviously, and Amari Cooper and Zeke Gallagher are obviously the three biggest, most important parts of that offense. The defense ain't great, but they do have players who can occasionally make plays. I just feel like they're in a better situation in that division. The division obviously isn't great, but um, you know, I sort of hinted at earlier. I was making fun of Sean, but Dak Prescott needs to be in the MVP conversation. He's third. I I really think, like, I don't think he's as close to Lamar and Russ. Like, there's, I think there's a little bit of a gap. I mean, just based off win loss records, which, like it or not, that that does impact MVP races. But I think if you're looking for a third candidate to put in that race, it has to be Dak. And I think he, a little bit of what he's doing reminds me of. Russell Wilson years past where he has to overcome um, conservative coaching, a not great defense, and he has to do every single thing right uh, to put the Cowboys in a position to win because, as, as you and Breach both said, this should not have been an eight-point game. This should have been a blowout, and everything that Dak did was worthy of a blowout. And I and uh, Ryan just mentioned the key Cowboys players. Michael Gallup is playing out of his mind, and he is playing like legitimate wide receiver one if he was on a different team. Uh we just talked about Denver, but like him and Cortland Sutton, those two guys' development this year, I think is, is so, it's, it's so big and it's so fascinating how well they're playing. Yeah, uh, very cool too. Michael Gallup, I think, dedicated that game to a deceased family member. I think it was his brother. His brother who died, I believe. Yeah, it's like, um, Jane Slater had the, the story on, Jane Slater NFL Network had the story on it, but it was, it was just kind of cool that he like, he did that. Uh, the Cowboys, by the way, this is, so it looks like with the NFC playoff picture, and not to disrespect the Lions, but they started Jeff Driscoll and Bo Scarborough, so we're probably going to move along. <laughs> um, it looks like with the NFC playoff picture, with where the where the Seahawks and the Vikings are as the respective the two wild the two likely wild card teams uh, at eight and two and eight and three respectively, that we are not going to see uh, like, they, like they're just going to be like they're going to be two teams from the West and two teams from the North that get in. Um, the only really other team that could creep in would be the Rams at six and four. And so either way, you're talking about two teams from the West getting in. I don't think, 
And I could be wrong. I mean, the Eagles have an okay schedule, uh, but I just don't think that the Eagles at five and five are going to claw their way back into that wild card race. That's a lot of ground to make up. Um, Philly has the Seahawks at the, well, actually I took that back. Uh, the Seahawks at the Dolphins, Giants at Redskins, Cowboys at Giants, but they did, they're, you know, two ta- starting tackles are hurt. The Cowboys are looking at a situation where they go at Patriots. That's sort of tough. Bills at Bears. I don't think that game matches up well for them. It's on a Sunday night. Um, Thursday night. Thursday night. That's Fox, not, that's at 820. Uh, Rams at Eagles and Redskins. So clearly the Cowboys have a much harder schedule. How do you guys kind of handicap this race? I still like the Eagles to win it. Like that, we made our mid-season picks, and I think you guys, the three of you, took the Cowboys, and I took the Eagles. And when I handicapped it at the time, I wrote the Eagles-Patriots game as an L for the Eagles. I did not think they were going to win that game, and I thought the Cowboys were going to beat the Lions. But it's this next stretch that is really going to side it, because obviously these guys, the two teams play in Week 16. But the next three games, Brent, you just mentioned for the Cowboys, Patriots, Bills, Bears. And they might go one and two there. Uh, that Bears game in Chicago, prime time's not going to be easy. They have the Rams after that. They could go two and two, one and three in their next four games. Whereas you have the Eagles, who have the Seahawks, Dolphins, Giants, Redskins. I'll be shocked if they don't go three and one in that stretch. I don't know who the loss is probably to the Seahawks, but I, I would think they go three and one there. And I do not think the Cowboys are going to go three and one in their next four games. And then boom, now you're tied going into that Week 16 matchup, which is in Philadelphia, which is why I like Philadelphia. So I, I, I still take the Eagles, and I do think that there's no wild card here to be had for the MC East. It is only the division winners getting in. I, I don't think it's over by any stretch of the imagination. I, and I picked the Eagles before the season to go to the Super Bowl. I still think the Cowboys win the division. The, the thing that the Eagles need to do is they almost need to run the table against the NFC East because – um, and that includes beating the Cowboys because they already lost to the Cowboys once. So if they were to lose again, they lose the tiebreaker. And then the next tiebreaker, say the Eagles beat the Cowboys. So now they're tied in that. You go to the division records. The Cowboys are already 4-0 against the division. The Eagles are 1-1, which means the Eagles have a lot of opportunity to make up ground. But they can't afford to slip up against one of these bad NFC East teams. And Lord knows there's a lot of bad NFC East teams that they get to play. But they, they can't avoid getting upset by one of those teams. Worth noting that the Vikings and Seahawks play each other in week 13 after the Vikings buy. So that's in Seattle on Monday night. So it's possible that the Vikings could lose some ground here. Uh, if they lose that, you know, you're on a buy, teams win games and you, you know, you, you lose to the Seahawks and all of a sudden, you know, there's some teams making up ground on them. But I just, I just, I mean, do you guys see anybody else creeping into the wild card? No. no. And, and here's the thing is that the Rams play the Ravens during the Vikings bye week. And if the Rams lose that, they're 6-5. and five. The yeah. Vikings are 8-3. and three. They, Now they have a two-game lead with just five left, and all you have to do is, you know, maybe go 3-2. and two. So, it, I mean, it almost feels like the NFC playoff field is set, except for the NFC East winner. Well, we got a similar situation unfolding in the AFC. The Colts took down the Jags 33-13. to 13. Woo! Covered easily, of course. The over hit 42 um, Nick Foles first game back for the Jaguars. He was, he was fine. I didn't think he was great. Um, this is mostly about Jacoby Brissett and that team dominating. Uh, we saw Marlon Mack, 14 carries, 109 yards and a touchdown. He actually had to leave later diagnosed as a broken hand. We also saw Quentin Nelson 
had a did he have a rush for a touchdown? He's not credited for a touchdown though, right? No, he he thought he scored on a one yard touchdown carry, yes. but it was overturned upon review. But he still did the, the celebration. Oh, he did a celebration. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can hear that. If I can open it with the correct application on my computer. Looking's gathering the rest of the Is this is this really a thing? I'm a little concerned right now if they practice that. But I'm more impressed by the touchdown run for Quinton Nelson. Yeah, again, that was called back. If you didn't see it, the Colts in a keg stand. It was awesome. Quinton Nelson rallied his guys around him and made him hold up his legs, and he did the keg stand. Incredible. Uh, maybe the best uh, celebration of the year. What do you think, Breach? I think that I'm glad you threw it to me because me and you have probably done the most keg stands combined oh, yeah. on this podcast. Ryan, have you ever done a keg stand? Yeah, in college. I don't like doing that or shotgunning beer. <laughs> <laughs> Did we retell the story about the pipe bombs? By the way, the best celebration in my mind, because it was actually a touchdown, was Zeke Elliott doing the deck dance. Yeah, uh, that was good. Um. It was a good day for celebration. Seth said he, I almost cried because I thought that Quentin's celebration was pretty cool. I hope that could still be nominated as one of the best celebrations because I don't know how they picked him up. That's a big dude to pick up. Yeah. Um, I bet he's drank a lot of beer in his day. Uh, so this, this game sets up a huge Thursday night matchup between the Colts and the Texans. Obviously we mentioned before the Texans lost. Uh, how would you guys handicap? Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you. How would you handicap the AFC South race and the AFC playoff race? Right now the Texans are the uh, one of the wild cards, the number six seed, and the Colts are the number three seed because they have the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, who are the four seed, um, and the Colts right now look like they would win the division. Well, the question again becomes who's going to make the most noise? You mentioned the Oakland Raiders, and I think they're realistically the only team that can sneak up on them. Yeah, the Browns have won two in a row, but they're four and six, and they have three teams to leapfrog, including the Raiders. The Steelers are done at five and five. I mean – are we putting our faith in Ryan Tannehill and the Titans at 5-5? Five and five? I don't think so. So I, I honestly think it's three teams for two spots, and those three teams are the Bills, the Texans, and, and the, the Raiders. The Raiders are currently outside looking in. Um, look, I am I like what the Colts are doing. I love Chris Ballard, the GM. I like Frank Reich, the coach, a lot. Um, and I don't have a lot of faith. And we talked about the Texans and their offensive line and Bill O'Brien's decision-making from start to finish, and Deshaun Watson's ability to stay healthy and not get himself into trouble with trying to make plays when sometimes plays aren't there. So I'm leaning towards the Colts here, and um, I I don't know if the Texans can make the playoffs. The Bills had a big win today, and I think the way the Raiders are playing, and I know they didn't play well against the Bengals, but they didn't win that game, that they may have some sort of John Gruden momentum going. I think this is it. The Colts had uh, two players rush for 100-plus yards for just the fourth time in franchise history. The first time since 1985. Jonathan Williams might want to know that name for your waiver wire pickup. He will be uh, one of the top guys added along with Bo Scarborough. Um, the Colts are now undefeated against the AFC South. 7-2 and two against the AFC South under Frank Wright. That's worth, that's worth noting. Need to check the ATS records on that. Um, and uh, Adam Vinatieri made some field goals, so that's exciting. Yeah, I think the thing that was most impressive was their defense. And this was a 31-7 to game until there was a minute left in the game. So this wasn't really a 30, uh, 31-13 game, which is the final scoreline. Uh, if the defense can play that well, then yes, I can buy them beating the Texans in the division. But up until this week, uh, every single Colts game has been decided by a single score. And we've talked about this before. This was the first game all season that wasn't decided by a single score. They seem like a coin flip team. I think the Texans... 
obviously this performance against Baltimore notwithstanding, I think they've been more impressive to me, uh, whereas the Colts really do feel like a coin flip. I'm really not sure what version of the team we're going to get. Um, I, what I do think is interesting is I think both the Texans and the Colts have big liabilities at kicker, and that kind of plays into like a coin flip when they play. Um, so when they play this following week, I, I don't know who's going to win. I think it's a field goal type of game, and it might really just come down to dumb luck in terms of which underperforming kicker actually makes their kicks. All right, Breach and uh, Wilson are doing – Wilson might be asleep. Uh, <laughs> I was just reading up on the uh, University of Colorado retiring its mascot, a real buffalo, and I was thinking, is it smart to take a real buffalo into the field before the game? This is what you're reading during the podcast? I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I saw come up. It's 1 a.m. Eastern, you're reading about the Colorado buffalo's mascot? I think the operative phrase is it's 1 a.m. Eastern. I mean, like, it's like, hey, Ryan, who's the Colts defensive coordinator? I, I don't know. Eberflus, <laughs> Matt. Next question. <laughs> I, I, I would just like I would like to note that I am officially off the Jaguars AFC South division title bandwagon for the rest of the season. No more flip flopping. No more waffling. Uh, I, I am off it. I don't think they're going to win it. I do think the Colts are going to beat the Texans on Thursday. I think the Colts have the best shot at winning this division, uh, and I, a lot of it is because of their schedule. Um, like, after the Texans play the Colts, they have to play the Patriots. So if they don't win that game and they lose to New England, all of a sudden, they're in trouble. And I think Ryan mentioning that they might not make the playoffs isn't that crazy of a statement. And I will say the one thing, though, because, Ryan, you mentioned the Raiders, is the Texans do have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Raiders, which is obviously a big one. And you know what? As crazy as this sounds, and it's probably because it's 1 a.m. Eastern time, I'm still not riding off the Browns. I think they still have a good shot at getting the sixth seed because, look, they close the season with the Dolphins, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Ravens, the Bengals. Those are all winnable games, especially if Baltimore has everything wrapped up by week 16 uh, and they're playing RG3 out there. With, that uh, is someone who's about to write a clickbait article playoff projections and is talking himself into the Browns. The Browns are going nine and seven best case. Uh, sorry, seven and nine best case. You asked who has a shot at the playoffs, and I think the Browns are still in the conversation. I, I would take the Browns over the Titans or the Steelers, um, but I still think the Texans probably have the best shot at the sixth seed because they do have the head-to-head over the Raiders. But I, I, I would say the Browns are – in the discussion based on their schedule. I actually could see that the Browns, the Browns will like get involved. I, I, I've been telling you guys are going to make a playoff push. You we say that about every single team that about, wins a game yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. The second <laughs> one team looks good on Sunday, you could talk yourself into a playoff push. And then you backtrack saying, no, I thought they're just going to make it interesting. So I said the Jets and the Steelers and the Browns would all make playoff pushes. Over three. Well, the Steelers were the six seed coming into this week. Dumb, dumb. You bet on Mason Rudolph, dunk dunk. Dunked on, boy! Uh, I had a helmet I was swinging at you right now. Um, yeah, and then you'd be suspended for the year. That sounds sounds awesome. I might but, get a promotion, honestly. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Texans, by the way, have the Colts, Patriots, Broncos at home, and then at Titans at Bucks and Titans at home again. So a little dicey there for the Texans. Uh, I don't disagree on the Browns. Uh, any thoughts on Nick Foles? Should should they? I, I feel like now you go to Gardner Minshew. What? I don't think they ever. Money, you got to play him. That's that's the, that's what they're doing. And they didn't draft a quarterback because they signed Nick Foles stupidly, and, and this is the bed they've made. So what do you do 
what do you do long term? Like, do you keep both of them? Trade both. No, they the end Eagles? up getting fired. The front office and the coaching staff, and then the next crew has to come in and draft a quarterback. What? Wait, you're adding another quarterback to the mix? Like, who is going to trade for Foles and take on that contract? Oh, no one. They'll have to eat that. Ryan wants to hire Blake Bortles as the next coach. No, but the reality is we were having this conversation last spring why the Jaguars should draft a quarterback, and they went out and signed Nick Foles, who I don't think – I don't know if any of you thought it was a good idea, but I certainly did. Yeah. The contract's silly. He's only good for three or four games a year. Why not just play Gardner Minshew and develop him? Well, I think – because of the contract. That's that's the literally the only reason in my mind. I agree with you. You mean you don't want to pay Nick Foles $15 million next season to sit on the bench? Ugh, right. I don't personally do no. something stupid. We got lots of time to talk about this in the offseason. All right, moving along to another game that's very exciting. The Falcons beat the Panthers 29-3. I didn't – I live in North Carolina. I usually have the Panthers game on for a good chunk about it because I got to talk about it on Monday. Didn't watch much of this one. This one was over fast. Kyle Allen was terrible. Do do a couple of really bad picks. Um, obviously, the Falcons covered his dogs one outright. The under forty nine hit. Asked about Kyle Allen, Ron Rivera said he's a good young football player and he's done some really good things for us. But today he got overwhelmed. What Don't- is the uh, sports talk conversation only about Kyle Allen and? In the Charlotte area on Monday morning. Um, uh, people will be freaking out. I mean, the Panthers are basically dead now for the. But playoffs. I mean, in relation to, you know, two months ago it was Cam Newton has no business playing with Kyle Allen being awesome. I mean, I'm just saying, Mac, we got to fire everybody. David Tepper has to clean house. He needs to fire Ron Rivera, fire Marty Herney, fire Kyle Allen, fire Kyle Allen's mom while he's at it. Fire everybody. Just get everybody out of there and start over. And do not bring Cam Newton back to this team. He's the one who calls Kyle Allen to throw those interceptions. You know it's true, Mac. I'll hang up and listen. (laughs) <laughs> Princeton definitely calls in and uses that accent too. Oh my god! Uh, uh, so my my buddy Zeke, everybody knows, knows Zeke. Um, Heard you guys went to a bar once. <laughs> so you'll like the story about Zeke. He um, he lives in DC. Big Nats fan. Um, he grew up a Redskins fan too. That's just happened with a lot of people in North Carolina, especially Eastern North Carolina. Um, and uh, he uh, he called he, he called 106.7 the fan so much and tried to like get on air. That they they put his number on a blocked list. <laughs> How his, often is he calling? That's the uh, DC CBS Sports radio station. CBS radio. Station. Like during like the junkies, he'd be like, "I just want to talk about why the net. Why are we fired, Davey Martinez? Damn it! <laughs> Does he have a day job? He works for the federal government. Oh gosh, indictment of the federal government. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what was interesting about this uh, Falcons game? Not from the Panthers' perspective, but. A week ago, they went into that Saints game with, I believe, seven sacks on the season. They sacked Drew Brees six times. And then they come out uh, on Sunday, and they sacked Kyle Allen five times. And we were making a lot of fun of the whole rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic by giving coordinators different jobs. And I guess I was looking at the sideline graphic. I guess I honestly didn't pay that much attention to the changes because they seemed like dumb changes that weren't going to make a difference. They have a defensive play caller now who calls the plays on first and second down and then they all they have a separate coach who calls the plays on third down like this doesn't seem efficient at all but for whatever reason the last two weeks it has no business of working it has actually kind of worked um and it is ensured that dan quinn probably won't get fired until january 
somebody should send that game plan to uh, Jason Garrett and the Cowboys and just have a play caller for each down, whatever it takes to keep him off the headset that doesn't work already. <laughs> Raheem Morris has had success as a defensive coach in this league. I mean, the, I know he wasn't as great as a head coach in Tampa. He was very young there. Um, Falcons had four interceptions against Cal Allen. They had two coming into the day. They had 11 sacks the past two games, had seven previously. What are the chances that Dan Quinn keeps his job? Uh, I'd say they go up 10% with each one of these wins. And and you know what the thing we were talking about with the Falcons is that they're now 2-0 and in the division. Like, I don't think they're going to win anything, but if they keep winning division games... They have five division, do they have... They have they, four left. They have four left because they can play the Buccaneers twice, the Panthers once more, and the and the Saints once more. If they sweep the division, I would say even if they go four and two in the division, there's no way he's getting fired. I don't care what their final record is because that's what they're going to point to. I don't think Arthur Blank wants to fire him. And if they show even uh, a semblance of life, he's going to stay. And that's what they've done the past two weeks. And the fact that they were so bad, for instance, you talking about Rivera saying that Kyle Allen was overwhelmed. The Falcons defense, the only people they overwhelmed the first 10 weeks of the season was themselves. It was so ugly. They were so bad. And all of a sudden, the last two weeks, they have just completely transformed, and it makes absolutely no sense. I mean, Sean described the play-calling situation. They moved their wide receivers coach to the secondary. None of it makes sense. By all means, this team should have gotten blown out the last two games with that horrible, horrible – like, this plan should not have worked, but it has. And now here they are. It would not be surprising if they run off four more wins and, and sweep this division. Yeah, if they keep being dogs, you should keep taking them. I mean, maybe this defense – also, it's like, what, where's this been? Why did you do this to start with, Dan Quinn? Like, wh- why was Raheem Morris coaching the offensive line or whatever, or the wide receivers or whatever the hell he's doing? He's a defensive guy. Um, Kyle Allen, 4-0 to start the year. 66% completion, 225 passing yards per game, seven touchdowns, no interceptions. Last four games, one and three, 59% completions, 255 passing yards, three and nine. They're asking him to do too much. So they're like, five and five though, and I I wonder at what point do you try to kick the tires on Will Greer, their third round pick? I don't think you do it now because you're five and five and there's still hope. But much hope. Go, what's that? Not much hope. You get the Saints two more times. So, I mean, you're not dead yet, but like you're pretty. If you're like five and eight. Yeah. You have three games. You roll Will Greer out there, see what you have, or or not. Yeah, probably should at some point. Um, Saints, speaking of those Saints, Saints Bucks, Saints 34, Bucks 17, the Saints covered easily. A pick six sealed the, uh, over at 50. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't seal the game, it sealed the over. Yeah, sealed the over. And the Saints team total over. Thank you very much. Um, asked about it after the game. Mike Evans said it's very frustrating. We got the players. It's never been about the players since I've been here. It's just we've been very, very inconsistent. I don't know what we've got to do to overturn it, but we've got to do some things because this feeling is awful. I know uh, what you have to do. Get rid of Jameis? Mm-hmm. Call Colin Kaepernick. So uh, this is a fun fact via NFL research. Jameis has 18 interceptions in his first 10 games this season, tying his career high for a single season. Winston's 18 interceptions are the most by a player through their team's first 10 games since – do you guys want to guess other than Sean? Sean's favorite player. Well, you can't ruin it by saying that. Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler. Smoking Jay. I didn't remember Jay being that bad, but in 2000. That was his first year in Chicago. Jay sucked. He, threw, he <laughs> led the league in picks that year. My word, Jameis is not good. 
Just uh, the, the manner of interception is what's so frustrating. They all look the same. <laughs> well, he, you know, with the new way last week, he dropped the fumble by throwing the ball when no one's near him, and they picked it up. I think did they return it all the way to the house on that. Uh, I'm told that his offensive lineman hit him. I got shame. They did not, unless he was a ghost. He was one of the ghosts that Sam Darnold saw. I got assaulted on Buck's Twitter. Jenna Lane of ESPN quote tweeted, was like, I don't know what you can do. Like, Jameis did, gave you everything he could in this game. It's like, well, okay, what? whatever. I think she has a beef with you. She's called you out a few times. Whoa, Brinson's got a beef on Twitter. That's the, not the newest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I was going to say, one of 800. That's called a, we- a weatherman like- down there also hates him. Oh, uh, yeah. The whole Sunny city of Tim- Tampa of- hates him. Sonny with a chance of Jameis sucks. Uh, you know what's crazy? Just have fallen flat tonight. <laughs> and if you look at Jameis's, uh, let's see, he threw four interceptions today. And if you look at just his past five games, if you just take his past five games, he has thrown 13 interceptions, which would rank second in the NFL. Wow. Chopping off the rest of his season. Like that is how bad his past five games. If you're Bruce Arians, I mean, all you're thinking at this point is, Am I telling him five minutes after the season's over or, like, giving it 24 hours so I tell him we're not bringing him back? See, you, I can't, just, you can't bring him back. I think you're going to bring him back. No, no way. No, not, because you got to give him a new deal. I think we'll bring him, bring him back on a bridge deal or something, two-year deal. You're going to take a bridge deal? <laughs> well, what's he going to get on the market? The oh, Bears are going to give him $40 million. <laughs> oh, don't no. even. That's my biggest fear. Just stop. I, I might quit being a Bears fan for a year if Jameis Winston is a quarterback. Look, I'm here for Brian Pace signing Jameis Winston. All right, so – no, like that's too far. You can't wish that upon me. I would I'm, take Derek Carr over Jameis Winston. Yeah, of course you would. Quarterback. Would I? Yeah. No, I want <sighs> to sign Jameis Winston to a huge long-term deal that escalates with each year in terms of dead cap space. You know what? Uh, it's too bad the trade deadline's over because the Bears could have given up all their first-round picks for the rest of the decade. Actually, I guess yeah. the decade's almost uh, uh, right. yeah, zero. There's zero. <laughs> Next decade. Uh, I will say okay. I'll say this in defense of Jameis His first interception, I don't know if you guys saw it Was not on him, it was the most hilarious Drop pass you'll see from O.J. Howard Where he like oh, dropped right. it and it fell on his back And he was like trying to catch it against his back And it popped up in the air again And O.J. Howard pretty much got benched In the second half of that game And it kind of just begs the question If they're not going to use him, it, he's not been reliable this year I'm not saying they're, they should be using him more Because um, they do have Cameron Brate Who's far more reliable they probably should have traded him and gotten some picks because this is a team that could use picks and could, you know, uh, a pick to take a quarterback, a pick to upgrade their defense, which has improved, but it still isn't very good. And I do wonder what a team like the Patriots would have thrown at them for O.J. Howard. Fourth-round pick. O.J. Howard is terrible, and he has no excuse for being terrible. He's a first-round pick who has been a huge disappointment. Patriots would have given him a second-round pick for O.J. Howard. Zero percent chance. He blocks his tail off. He'd be perfect in the Patriots system, and they would turn him into a stud. Well, they well, should have traded him. Yeah. I don't think the Bucks wanted to trade him. The Bucks can't trade all their former first-round picks, and they can't cut Jameis because it looks like they had a plan that went terribly. And they did have a plan that went terribly. The Dolphins did it. But with with a new like GM and a new coach, like you can't just reboot if you're Tampa. I think they'll bridge deal Jameis if Bruce Arians is coming back and if Jason Knights are coming. Yeah, and them and the Jaguars, who has a similar plan with their quarterback, are going to be terrible. I mean, we, it's about James Moore this offseason. The Bucks aren't doing anything this year. Uh, the Saints did look awesome. 28-35, 228 pass yards and three touchdowns for Drew Brees. First game of the season with multiple pass touchdowns and no picks. 
Michael Thomas, eight catches, 114 yards and a touchdown, 94 catches on the season for 1,141 yards. He has the most receptions in NFL history through the first 10 games of a season. He's been very good this year. And um, the Saints are back to being awesome. I think that Falcons game was sort of a fluke, an aberration, if you will. I will. Okay. Let's. I will also. Can I say something real quick about Michael Thomas? You've, well, Brinson's made the case for Christian McCaffrey a lot for MVP. I think Breach put Dalvin Cook on his last one. Um, I, in my opinion, if there is a non-quarterback who deserves to be in the MVP race, I would say it's Michael Thomas. Um, what about Mitchell Trubisky? Well, he's a quarterback in theory. Oh, he's not. Allegedly. No, he's Allegedly. Not. Ironically, Sean dogs Josh, Josh Allen for being a running back. I think they both suck. What? I'm not allowed to think they both suck? They don't, one compared to the other. They are both different levels of bad. You would trade for Josh Allen right now. Yeah, because he's younger and in theory could still get better. I think the books, you know, Trubisky's done at this point. Trubisky's still like 28 or something. He's very young. Trubisky? He's younger than 28. Okay. He's very young and very terrible. He's like 12 months older than Baker Mayfield. All right, what's the next game? I don't want to spend my evening talking about Trubisky. You brought it up. Bills, Bills 37, Dolphins 20. Speaking of Josh Allen, a beatdown in Miami. Bills cover the seven. The over easily hits 41 and a half. Um, what's that? Oh, I, oh yeah, that's right. I'm being told we have a uh, urgent and breaking Devontae Parker update. Oh, boy. Let's just go check the box score and see what Devontae Parker, my man, did. Ten targets, seven catches, 135. Can you feel it? He's the first Dolphins to have a wide receiver to have 100 receiving yards in a game this season. He walked down Sammy Watkins. Unless Senior Watkins has a big evening in Mexico on Monday, Devontae's going to be leading going into week 12. How you feeling, boys? Sammy needs to get up his ass. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it sucks that we didn't bet anything like of consequence on this. I mean, you would ask a thousand people, and one person would take Devontae Parker over Sammy Watkins. And Sammy Watkins continues to crap his pants week after week after that huge week one performance. Very disappointing, Sammy. This is like this is like more enjoyable than the time I picked the Nats to win. The I I like, wanted to raise one technicality, which was I feel like we should include rushing yards because Sammy had a like in this race a run that matters. I think it was like fifteen yards. I mean, in Andy Reid's offense, he uses his, you know, he uses his running or his wide receivers in a variety of ways. I, I'm just saying we should use total yards from scrimmage and not just receiving yards because I feel like Sammy has has got a few. See, he has two rushes for 12 yards. I want those 12 yards. As the neutral third party, I feel like I should be the arbitrator in this situation, and I think that's a reasonable request. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. No, you don't get rushing ever. Yards. Yeah, but I didn't take sides in this. That's why I feel it's like I'm 11. good. It's week 11, you're scratching up for 15 extra yards? I'm just going to be annoyed when they run a reverse with Sammy Watkins that goes 90 yards to the house. I actually sort of agree with Brenton. It's so – well, it's unbelievable that Sammy Watkins is this bad. I mean, what what are you doing? You play with Patrick Mahomes. Tyreek Hill was out forever, and your little hamstring hurts, and you can't play, and we're getting blasted by Devontae Parker. And two quarterbacks who have no business being in the league right now. This and is, I'm, and I'm begging for 12 rushing yards. You're begging for 12 yards. <laughs> yeah, that's a slap in the face. <laughs> it is a slap in the face. I mean, like, look, if this bet were for like ten thousand dollars, 
then maybe you get on your like then you bring in like a, a blue ribbon panel of people to try and figure this rushing your thing out. It's for nothing except pride. Just suck it up and deal with it. I like it, by the way. Right? I re- I remember that big Sammy Watkins run. It was eleven yards because that's as long of a season. <laughs> the great it felt irony big is, when I watched it though. The great irony is if Sammy Watkins still played in Buffalo, he would have more yards. Because Josh Allen needs a go to receiver. Uh John Brown's been okay. Um they have uh Cole Beasley who's a slot guy. Dawson Knox, the rookie tight end, but they need a big play receiver, and Sammy Watkins would be perfecto to keep the Mexico theme going. But, uh, yeah, he ain't. Muy bien. Muy bien. Gracias. John Brown's been great, by the way. John Buenos dias. John Brown doesn't have a game this season without uh, for at least four catches. He had four for 76 today. Yeah. Also, to slam dunk. No, he, had more, he had like 130 receiving yards, right? Well, then Google's wrong. Yeah, he had two touchdowns, and in fact, fun fact, boys, John Brown was the first Bills wide receiver to have 100 receiving yards or more and two receiving touchdowns in a game since Sammy Watkins. That's right. In two yeah, he actually did that. 937 <laughs> yards and two touchdowns. That was the only uh, only time, those only balls that Sammy Watkins caught all year that year. <laughs> also, to differentiate um, J- Josh Allen from Mitch Trubisky, this is from the Bills PR. Josh Allen has now produced two touchdowns in six straight games, longest active streak in the NFL, Sean, and the longest by a Bills quarterback since Jim Kelly in 1991. And how many times has he fumbled in that span? You will find no such stats about Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, by the way, Josh Brown, also the first Bills wide receiver since Eric Molds in 2002. Remember Eric Molds and yeah. Peerless Rice? Sean wasn't even alive then. Mm-hmm. And ten- I got a Josh Allen stat, too. To have 10 straight games of 50 50- plus receiving yards or more. The Bills have scored 30 points in a game twice this season, both against the Dolphins. So, Breach, as you regale us with your Josh Allen stat, how concerned are you buying or selling the Bills as a playoff team? Brinson, I'm buying it. I'm putting my life savings in the Bills as a playoff team because they're going to the playoffs. That's how confident I am. Uh, they're in a spot where they're now, what are they, 7-3? and three? So you're looking at, a one-game lead over the Raiders, and if the Texans or Raiders slip up, who both have much tougher schedules because they're in much tougher divisions, you know, besides the Patriots, there's nothing else going on in the AFC East that any, anybody has to worry about. And you look at the Bills, the end of their schedule, play the Broncos, Cowboys, Ravens, Steelers, Patriots, Jets. So that's not easy, but if they beat the Steelers, they beat the Jets, that gets them to nine wins, and they steal one or two wins out of those other four games they get to 10. 10 games probably going to get them in the wild card. Uh, so I feel pretty confident they're going to get there. And my Josh Allen stat is that he now has two tu- at least two touchdown passes and zero interceptions and five consecutive games. And he joins Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and Drew Brees, and Russell Wilson as the only quarterbacks to do that since 2011. Hmm. All big names. Oh, yeah. Very cool stuff, Breach. <laughs> okay. Oh, like that stat, I could tell. It's great. We've been talking for an hour and a half, and it's late at night. Jets, right, get it up. Let's go. All right, we're going. Jets and Redskins. <laughs> did you say time to get them out? What did he say? Who? You. I said, keep it going. Oh, they said, time to get it up. Let's go. I was like, no, I didn't say that. <laughs> I hope he didn't say that. Jets 34, Redskins 17. The Jets 
somehow the Redskins were favored in this game. And I was like worried that it was like a sign that the Jets might lose the game. That's just so stupid. The Jets should have been a lock the entire year. The over of 37 and a half hit easily. That thing I had that under that, that miss. Uh, damn, Sam, damn, Sarnold went nuts. Uh, <laughs> points. Have you called him that before? No, I'm, I'm that's losing. pretty good. I like that. Yeah. Um, and damn, Sarnold. Damn, Sarnold. And Crowder was asked about, J- uh, uh, James Crowder was asked about Sam Darnold. He said he's still developing. You definitely tell that he's starting to be a little more vocal, take ownership of the offense, which he should, as part of the development of a quarterback in this league. I'm just glad he's taking the right steps to become a great quarterback in this league. 19 of 30, 293 yards, four touchdowns, one interception. Uh, the four passing touchdowns, a career high. Three passing touchdowns in the first half. Never done that before. And uh, he had zero games with at least three passing touchdowns this season. Jamal Adams, three sacks. Hello. Tie for most by a defensive back in a single game since Sachs officially became a stat in what year, Sean? 1982. That's right. You were not born. You're impressed I got that, aren't you? No, I'm not shocked. I I am impressed. Yeah, it was good work. Um, I was one when that happened. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, eight carries, 59 yards, and a touchdown. Back-to-back games now with a rushing touchdown. Still has not rushed for 100-plus yards in a game this season, Dwayne Haskins, 19 of 35, 214 yards, two touchdowns and an interception and an awkward situation with his offensive line on the sidelines. Did you guys see that? I thought he was trying to be helpful. I'm sure he was, but they just <laughs> those dudes were checked out. They're like, listen, son, <laughs> not our job to help you develop. We are cashing a check and getting out of here. I'm um, sort of related to that. Uh, Bill Callahan run the ball no matter what. It's his mantra after the game. He um, told the media, I don't see any quitting in the locker room from our players. And Tom Lavaro, who is a D.C. area writer, I think he's with the Washington Times now, uh, tweeted this out. He should turn around and look in the stands. Redskins fans have been quitting in droves. Apparently, there's a huge chant for sell the team, sell the team in the middle of the fourth quarter. Well, except, they, except they said there weren't enough fans there to keep it going. Oh, gosh. Jason LaConfora, who we know quite well. When's he on the show, Brinson? Mondays? Tuesday. And a show today. We should ask him about this tweet, which I thought was pretty funny. Skins are about to drop ninth straight at home, dating back to last October. They haven't scored more than 21 at home in over a year. Another blowout loss, but at least they've got that winning culture. I'm trying to find depressing. Yeah. It's, it's real this, was a, this was a classic Redskins. Like the amount of dumb mistakes they made or like more dumb mistakes than – playoff teams make they had a roughing the kicker when the jets made a field goal and the jets turned that into a touchdown uh haskins actually made an incredible play in the second quarter where he stepped up in the pocket bought time and threw a 50-yard pass in the air to mclaurin and it was just an incredible play it was negated by a holding penalty and then to make matters worse after the holding penalty the offensive lineman took off his helmet on the field so they added another 15 yards uh, in addition to the holding penalty um the redskins did score a touchdown that was their first touchdown in 17 quarters Wow. Uh, by the way. But there's good news on that, on that stat. The last streak that Sean's talking about that was the longest winning team was the 2000 Ravens. They went 21 quarters. 2000 Ravens, they won the Super Bowl. So things are looking at, John, did the, uh, Redskins have a chance in your standings to, to make a run here? Uh, the Redskins do not, but Sean did leave out one thing. They also messed up, which was a 29 yard field goal. Uh, it is pretty difficult to miss a field goal from 29 yards, but the Redskins managed to do it. That is that is difficult to do. Uh, maybe he missed it. Before. He missed it completely too. 
I might need to check my boy Greg Rosenthal and see what if he tweeted about the time of this game. Does anybody know how long this game was? Uh, for me, it was about 12 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that I mean, Bill Callahan has three straight games of under two hours and 45 minutes. I don't think this was under because Adam Gase decided to run up the score. So, Well, I guess, I mean, that's something to consider. If you're going to consider continue with um, Bruce Allen and Daniel Snyder as the owner, obviously, at least hire a coach who won't put the fans through maximum pain. Make it two hours and 30 minutes. They can get out of there. Get on with the rest of their Sunday afternoon. They're like trying to run the clock out in the season, and they're very efficient about it. The time of this game was three hours and 16 minutes. No, too long. Far too long. Too that, long for that. And that's, why the, and that's why the chance started. They were like, this game's supposed to be over by now. That 29-yard field goal, only the second one missed all season uh, by tickers in the NFL. And the other guy was Adam Vinatieri. We need to come up with some nickname for Breach when he starts typing furiously and we can't see him and he just pops his head up and comes up with a fun fact. Kicker mm. fun facts are the funnest. So the Redskins are now one and nine. Oh, by the way, if they had won that game and as you point out, they were favored, then um, the Giants would have moved to the second overall pick. This is why we have you around, right? Yeah. <laughs> and if the Bengals had won, don't say Bengals it. would have been one and nine. <laughs> That's the, that's the best joke I've heard you ever say. They would have actually dropped to the third pick, I think, John. So you were that close. Speaking of the Bengals, one more game to get to. That's right. We've moved the Bengals back to last. Isn't it, isn't it beautiful when a plan comes together? Like we spent the whole preseason and the start of the regular season joking. We put the Bengals last. Be like, let's throw the worst team in football. But it turns out the Bengals – are the worst team in football. And, John, I am pleased to announce for the first time in the 2019 season, one team has been eliminated from the playoffs. Who is it's it? 11, and that team is the Cincinnati Bengals. It's impossible to be eliminated in week 11. Let me just tell you how hard it is. There have only been, I think, four teams. Nobody's been eliminated earlier. Since the divisions were realigned in 2002, this is so this tied the earliest that any team's ever been eliminated. That's how bad the Bengals are. Brinson, your boy Ryan Finley's a joke. They just need to unbench Andy Dalton, put him back, let him finish the season because they're doing nothing with Ryan Finley. If they had any competence at quarterback, they would have won this game, which is even shocking to say. Brinson shaking his head like that's not the truth. Uh, but this I actually was, watched a lot of this game, John. The Bengals could have won this game. Yeah, the Raiders if, were not good. If Andy Dalton was the quarterback in this game, they would have won it. Uh, but you know what? It's okay. Like I've been saying all week, every Bengals game somehow turns into entertaining, even though they're trash. I, I can sit through all four quarters. Maybe that's actually a bad thing that I sit and watch all four quarters. It's It's almost torture, but then at the end you're like, they might win this, but then they don't win it. And so here we are. I'll, I'm just rooting for the number one pick at this point. It doesn't even matter. And you know what? The Raiders just did enough to win. Like, well, if yeah. you want to be a playoff team, especially when you're just kind of – John Gruden's been – they weren't good last year. And when you're trying to make that jump to becoming a playoff team, you have to beat bad teams. It doesn't matter how dumb it looks. They did it here. They beat a bad team. It wasn't pretty. Uh, and Derek Carr was almost perfect. Yeah. I, will, I will point out this, by the way. Before before you get to your thing, I just want to note that 
Um, nothing cracks me up quite like the idea of John like slugging through this brutal four hours of Bengals getting knocked around by the Raiders to sort of toying with them, maybe let them get back in. And then about like three quarters of the way through, they're like, Hey boys, check out this great NC state graphic. <laughs> it's just like, what is, what, am I being trolled? And you, you know, what's funny about Brinson always bringing up the Bengals last to me. You guys know at the end of the Jimmy Kimmel show when he's like, Oh, we were going to have Matt Damon on, but we didn't have enough time tonight. That's yeah. what the Bengals have turned into. And I'll end with a fun fact and stop talking about this game. The Bengals have covered every game they've played on the West Coast for the past 10 years. Uh, the Bengals are 0-10, as we know. They're out of the playoffs, as we know. <laughs> next next week is their Super Bowl, and they may beat the Steelers. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's already worried. You can tell. Not worried. <laughs> You can never worry when Mason Rudolph's your quarterback, Sean. <laughs> I'm not watching. That, that's not a primetime game, thank God, right? No, but the Bengals actually had, they, they played pretty well in this game. And my big question was, why was Derek Carr taking so many sacks when their Bengals defense is dog doo-doo? Um, that was one takeaway. Geno Atkins played hard. Sam Hubbard played hard. I mean, they, the, the Bengals all played really hard. And, like, Joe Mixon ran well. Joe Mixon had, uh, I think it was 75 family members because he's from around yeah. there. We're at the game and he scored the first touchdown in the first, uh, scored a touchdown in the first quarter. Josh Jacobs was pretty good, but he fumbled in the red zone. That was a big problem. Um, Finley, 13. Josh Jacobs, I will point out once again, I say it every week, Mike Mayock and John Gruden hit a grand slam with this draft. Ma- Max Crosby had three sacks today, I think, the fourth round pick. Four sacks, John's telling me. Clee Farrell had a, I think he knocked down a pass. He's still not sacking anybody, but you can take what you can get. You mentioned Josh Jacobs. Hunter Renfro, Brinson's younger brother, is tearing it up. He's um, Foster Moreau caught a touchdown, the tight end. So, I mean, we made fun of this, the, this, uh, the whole group, everyone I, associated with the Raiders. I we hate to be this guy because the draft class is good, but imagine this defense if they had drafted Josh Allen instead. No, uh, it's fair the, to be that guy. That's a fair question. And a lot of people had Josh Allen rated, you know, as that second-best pass rusher. Everybody Rosa. but one person did. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, look – they're also hurt. They're banged up. They lost Fontes. I mean, they, they lost a bunch of guys. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't, I, I, I'm I, just saying that the Josh Needles, Allen on this defense. Needles pointing out for the Raiders and, and it's very encouraging if you hired Mike Mayock and he's doing this in his first year. Um, Derek Carr, 25 of 29 for 292 yards, one touchdown, one pick. So he averaged over 10 yards per passing attempt. I swear to God, he didn't throw it 10 yards down the field once. He it didn't look like that. If you told me that he put up Ryan Feeling numbers, I'd be like, yeah, I believe that. Every game I watch, I watch him play, and I'm like, yeah, he probably averaged like seven yards per attempt. And every game I look, it's like 9.8. I'm like, how? how? Yeah, he's averaging a career high yards per attempt. But if you look at his air yards on next-gen stats, I think they're roughly in line just as career averages. He's turning into Kirk Cousins. And you know what? It's fine because we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I was kind of knocking Derek Carr. And I think Ryan said, well, he's playing within Gruden's system. But Gruden does want him to take shots downfield sometimes. So he just doesn't do it. And I think they'll deal with it fine right now because they move the ball. But when you start getting in the playoffs, teams are going to take away his little dink and dunks, and he's going to have to throw down the field to win. And if he can't do it, they're not going to win. So uh, he's going to have to figure out how to throw the ball downfield at some point. You think so. All right. <laughs> that's uh, that's it for us. Right? All the games. Ryan, what are your thoughts on the new uh, Star Wars show that's uh, I don't have Disney Plus. I'm not paying eighty dollars to watch one show that I'm not sure is even really good. Exactly my thoughts. 
All right, make sure to uh, join our Facebook group. Go to Facebook.com, search for Pick 6 Podcast. It's uh, private, exclusive. <laughs> uh, you, you, the moderator lets you in. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks, as always, for listening. Great show, boys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. From the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles. Now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes!